last time last week we read about a little known chapter of shirbindo's life and though quite a few liked it because it's not really known but it was rightly pointed out that shirbindo and the mother did not like to talk about their lives which is so true because of the great confusion and misunderstanding which may arise it's not only about their life it's about of course life in general and also particularly about the life of avatars in one of the aphorisms shobindo writes rama the divine avatar murdered vali krishna who is god manifesting who is god manifested killed for the sake of the nation his own uncle kansa and then he raises this question who would say whether what they did is good or evil but this we feel mark the word this we feel that they acted divinely that is the beauty of these scriptures when we read uh, ramayana and the mahabharata uh, it just doesn't strike as if they have done something wrong it the whole movement is a divine action but if we read it from second hand accounts colored by one's own perception then we wonder why rama killed vali in this way why krishna killed his own uncle but when we read the first hand account this i can vouch safe having read the mahabharata and the ramayana in its original purity that it's so inspiring same thing we see in shobindo's life even his human side the mother once asked rishab chanji just to write about shobindo's life before 1910 and then she made a writer because nobody can write after this period <laughs> who can write after 1910 what shobindo did in pondicherry but she told rishab chanji that if you write just before that period that itself is very inspiring and really if we look at shobindo's life his life at baroda the utter simplicity he would put a mat and sleep on that mat and when his teacher came to teach him bengali he saw he expected a suited booted person speaking chaste english with lot of arrogance which we develop simply because we know english and here is shorbindo who is from cambridge with first class first in tripos master of nearly 32 languages who could fluently write in french of course english greek latin spanish and he is lying with a mat on the floor and wearing a dhoti and then when he was asked oh uh, what is this um, you are living like this and then he said yes i am a brahmacharin so i have to follow the ideal of the brahmacharin this is how he answered even the uh, the person in in the jail he asked shorbindo don't you feel ashamed you are such a highly qualified person and you are doing these activities so shorbindo replied back why should i feel ashamed it is you who should be ashamed why should i feel ashamed <laughs> to liberate one's country there is nothing wrong and in every activity that he undertook before freedom before coming to pondicherry we see he set a very very high standard benchmark very difficult i feel leave aside the yoga part 
if we can just follow a little of shirbindo's human side we would be ready at least in some future for the supramental yoga if we look at just his life you know when he comes at baroda even his life as a child and a student with so much difficulty is studying the father as if we were to use a modern word though he loved him very much very little finances he could send for whatever reasons and one could say that he faced neglect but when shivendra speaks about his father he always is a kind word he doesn't speak of him as you know see he didn't care for me nothing no complaining no grumbling he is happy with whatever he gave him he always is a kind word to speak about his parents then when he comes here and goes into baroda maharaja's service and slowly his role as an administrator he writes very interesting things about what administration should be and how the administrators have no connection with the people whom they are governing because he had direct first hand experience and then his role as an educator he sets a very different standard in fact he speaks about original thinking which indians have forgotten they have to learn to question everything and so much so that he will give very original interpretations of things and when the students would say but sir it is not written anywhere in the books shobindo at one time remarked then throw that book out of the window <laughs> we can't imagine what a high standard he has set as a teacher who is educing things from the student not just simply as wrote and those who came to hear him they would be so much inspired so much the word in hindi is mantra mugd that's how they heard him kem munshi and many others have uh, later on spoken about who were present in his classes how inspiring he was as a teacher then when he see that his role is a pol- in in politics completely new standard a politics where he went beyond the party while he belonged to the party the congress party there was only one party there not two parties <laughs> then shirbindo would write uh, articles which were too fiery in the hindu prakash and he was requested by some prominent leaders of that time kindly tone them down they are too fiery and they may attract the wrath of the british empire so shirbindo stopped writing he said you have to write based on an inner inspiration you can't write to please the people and in his whole politics the nationalism that shirbindo practiced is not a patriotic sentiment it is worship he uses that word it's spirituality if leaders could practice that nationalism they would be practicing yoga and we see that where he rose above party above politics and the only thing he saw was the good of the country which was no more for him a piece of land but it was the worship of the mother as an aspect of the universal mother where every country had its part to play and what was the role of india and we see that kind of a high standard which at least i don't see any politician in the last 100 years or more even coming close to that and that's why when he withdrew from politics several reasons were ascribed to his actions but the mother made a very interesting observation she says that shobindo withdrew from politics because his standard is so high he doesn't want it to be degraded to the mire and the mud of ordinary human nature and when john baptista came to invite him back into congress he said the problem is if i go back none of you will understand what i am saying let alone being able to do 
So let India be ready, then I will come out. Repeatedly he says, let India be ready, then I will come out. When Barinda and several others used to call him that, he never said I will not come out. But he would always say that let India be ready, let people be ready. Because the kind of politics I want to practice, people are not ready. Then we see him as a journalism. This is another role that he played before. And several of his articles where he insists on truth, honesty, on good and beauty. This was an ideal which he set for journalism. Even when he criticizes Mr. Archer, his criticism is so full of wit and humor. It's a, at places, scathing remark. But there is so much humor in it that I am sure if Mr. Archer, he must have read it, I am sure, he would not have helped laughing at places where, where he cuts him down, but cuts him down in such a beautiful way and uses this as an opportunity to bring in the highest points of Indian civilization. He turns that into an opportunity, not a blind criticism, but to bring out what really India is about. Because Mr. Archer had criticized India and seen everything in it debasing and horrible. He goes on to say, for instance, one place where I remember, he says, well, the ideals of Indian character like Rama and Sita are simply too much. And then he makes an observation, Sita is so pure and so so much uplifted that it verges on to immorality. Now this is strange statement. <laughs> and Shobindo remarks on this, this is a strange playing with words which is meaningless. Because it's, it's meaningless. You can't have excess of thing playing into that. And then he regards, and then he reveals the true ideal of Rama and Sita, their love and the purity which is not an ascetic purity. Rama and Sita are very pure. They, they live the life of a brahmacharin throughout their stay. But it's not asceticism. There is a lot of sensuous poetry, sensuous beauty in it, where Rama's love comes out for Sita in such wonderful ways, so much so that even Sati is surprised that how can uh, you know anyone love like this and you call him God. He is loving after all a human, like a human being and Siva points out rightly, this is not a human love. Look closely and you will understand. No human being ever loves like this, the way he has loved. So everywhere we see Shobindo bringing out high points, lifting the standard to a point which is not easy for anyone to follow. The same thing he does in his marriage life also. It's a life of nobility, sacrifice, purity, chastity, such love, at least I am deeply moved when I read it. That here is, only divine can love someone like this. No human being can love. If one reads only that part of Shurabindo's life, I am sure one is moved to tears that no human being can ever love anyone like this. So this is how one should read it or understand it, Shurabindo's life before coming to Pondicherry. Because this is a constant problem, especially we see that when we read the life of avatars. Because the avatar can easily go up and down the ladder, unlike masters. Masters are evolutionary beings. So they will, they are humans, they will reach some kind of a union at whatever level with the higher consciousness. Then they stay there. Then they help others, they show the way. They go above the law and remain above the law. But the avatar can easily descend into the law, come out of the law, get back into it. So, Shurabindo, it's the same divine. It's not that he became divine after 1910 or 1920. It is the same divine because he is involutionary. He never ceases to be divine. That's how he, at 11 he writes a poetry called Light. It's an amazing poetry. 
he writes that i bestow equal favor to the good and the bad like the flower and the sun and then he says that when i woke up in the morning i wove the sun with threads of consciousness it's, it's i can't imagine had 11 who could write this poetry and then he says if a brief presence of mind on earth can be so refreshing to humanity why would not why would i not like to come down again and again and be like a refreshing breeze for all upon earth it's so amazing it reminds me of one of mother's own uh, writing in prayers and meditation where she says lord give me love and peace and the power to protect and heal human beings live in so much misery they are so much in need of your love and peace she is not asking for herself what in savitri we read these boons thy love and sweetness give to me for earth and men so we see constantly this play of the avatar and for that he has to become human again rise above because he can freely rise as we were reading last time that in 1918 suddenly someone seeing the human side of shirobindo if one came only for that fraction of a moment can well wonder that can after nirvana and vasudevam sarvamiti somebody can still experience this well shirobindo represents both the struggling human striving towards a transmutation at the same time the divine who is all the time there constantly and looks at things from a divine eye so if a divine were to love this is how he would love and this is how we have to evolve in that process so it's something very beautiful and mother has and both shirobindo they have both revealed the mystery of the avatar at several places it's very difficult to pick and choose because of time constraint but one of the places very interesting where she brings a very deep and profound truth about the avatar so this is a talk on october 10th 1958 in the agenda where the disciple asks what is one's place in the universal manifestation it starts like that what is our place so mother says there is one's position in the universal hierarchy which is something ineluctable it is the eternal law it's a very great truth which is being revealed to us in just few words which means that already before the creation began the divine has decided and chosen who will manifest what all the countless jivatmas before even they have entered into the cycle it is decided this is your place this is what you will represent and everybody will represent something of the divine because there is nothing else it's not that some will re- represent something higher and lower everybody has been it's inelectable she says nobody can deny it you will reach that point so this is one part of everyone's life and there is the development in the manifestation which is an education it is progressive and done from within the being so this is the other part that we have to evolve towards that and that's where the whole catch lies so we have this interesting thing about mahabharata where people feel a kind of secret sympathy with karna now it's very interesting why this sympathy with karna it's not just because he is discarded or things like that because to start with he is a suryaputra he embodies his place in the hierarchy is that one day in one life who knows in in the age of shirobindo he must have come near shirobindo 
he has to represent the light of surya truth that light he has to represent he has no choice he will do it but in terms of evolution his development takes a warp development and as i was sharing with someone today that he is hooked on by the first mafia don documented in history which is duryodhan mafia dons used to behave like this so what mafia dons do even now they do it they will give money for you know, no cause but they will give money then they will give favor then they will do lot of good things and then at the end they will take out a gun and give it in your hands please kill this man for my sake this is exactly what duryodhan did the italian mafia if you see you know read the book godfather and if you go into the history of mafia this is how it started they would first give favors then takes as favor something which is a huge crime and this is how we see duryodhan practicing it and karna in that point of time if he took a choice he was given a choice by krishna he could have made a leap but he is not able to make a choice and karna falls from grace we see similar things in the life of ravana in the life of bhishma who is given a choice and they can't make a choice and in the evolution they are not able to reach that point which they are now this is the paradox the divine sees what we are and so he acts in that light that's why many people can't understand why mother and shobindo encourage certain people gave them lot of importance love even though these people did many things which were so contrary we all know that what was the reason because they could see their place in the universal hierarchy what they are meant to manifest but at the same time they could see the struggles and some could take advantage and some couldn't take advantage that's a different story altogether and that's where the adventure lies what is remarkable is that to become a perfect being this position whatever it is decreed since all eternity a part of the eternal truth must manifest with the greatest possible perfection as a result of evolutionary growth so it's not enough just to know inside so there are many people who of course there is lot of romanticism in this also they will talk about their past life you know i was arjuna i have at least met number of arjunas you know because <laughs> who wants to be karna it's not a good thing <laughs> so everybody is arjuna or this or that great but in their present life they manifested nothing so you know it's it's not like that that you know you were great you know yes you were and it's not about being ambitious or greatness you discover what you are in relation to the divine which aspect of the divine you are meant to embody and then through evolution you have to unite the two it's not enough to know inside that's why the mother and shobindo did not encourage much of these inner experiences and romanticism because it can lead to a total side tracking but to express it in life yes even one may be right that one is born to express something of the eternal and yet one has to struggle through the evolutionary process and that's where the whole trick lies of course to reach that point even to become aware is not easy it's a special grace it is a jung it is the junction the union of the two the eternal position and the evolutionary realization that's why mother speaks of shubindo that shubindo has uh, presided over all the major revolutionary movements in the past she herself has presided over all the crucial turning points in history and 
if we look at those lives they are not you know saintly lives this ideal which came later on to live life like a saint is not the real indian ideal but something else and that she would reveal to us it is the junction of the two that will make the total and perfect being and the manifestation as the lord has willed it since eternity so each one has a certain purpose a mission and a certain representation of the divine which we have to manifest in our material life and that's the direction of the labor and for the cycle to be complete one cannot stop on the way at any plane not even in the highest spiritual plane not the plane closest to matter one must descend right into matter and this perfection in manifestation must be a material perfection so it's not enough that one reaches the highest point and says yes yes i have discovered that i am this or that in the divine being no it has to manifest in earthly life and that is a big challenge which explains why those who want to flee in order to realize the divine will are in error what must be done is exactly the opposite the two must be combined in a perfect way so we see the mother in mother's life very very clearly how she has realized the divine even at a very young age she is experiencing the descent of consciousness and then the mother speaks of similar experiences much later those who suddenly read the agenda get perplexed and very often they cannot understand that mother is saying ah i can experience that sachidanand so mother is though if one reads the agenda fully one sees very clearly she says i am having all those experiences now in matter because matter must experience it what she has already experienced in her inner reality much earlier so that's why she writes this and then she says there are two parallel things that from the eternal and supreme point of view are of identical importance in that both are equally essential for the realization to be a true realization on the one hand there is what shurabindo who as the avatar represented the supreme consciousness and will on earth declared me to be so shurabindo could see that she is the divine mother and she declared he declared the supreme universal mother and on the other hand there is what i am realizing in my body through the integral sadhana so she gives her own example and this we see in in the life of of course uh, sadhaks also it becomes very clear characteristically in the life of uh, i think last time or earlier we spoke about dara who was actually dara and he was killed by his brother aurangzeb and he was born as sheikh hader now when dara comes mother is already declared to him that you are dara you were earlier dara you were the one who had translated the upanishad so you can imagine that even though he was born in a hardcore muslim family he had love for the upanishad but what happens to dara in this life on one side he is progressing towards yoga he has been given remarkable experiences in fact at one point of time he has this feels jealous that you know uh, shubindu would not give me experiences because i am a muslim and he has the experience of of krishna all around and yet he has doubt so much so that at one point he says i want to do namaz five times a day so shurbindo has to tell him that well if you want to do there is the whole world to do it not this place please and that's what he meant that you know old forms etc i have to go away so he was so much caught up in this evolutionary movement by the present formation and it was so difficult for him to break free from that so the mother comes back to her own example 
I could be the supreme mother and not do any sadhana. And as a matter of fact, as long as Shobindo was in his body, it was he who did the sadhana and I received the effects. Something very similar which people say, why Krishna had to lead everything through a war where people had to die? He is divine. All that he needed was to just put a magic wand and do things like magic. No evolution needed. In fact, someone asked Shurabindu, the mother is divine mother, so she can create supramental realization in a moment. She can create, uh, she can make, build a supramental creation in one moment. And then the disciple by his own intuition says, but it would not be a supramental creation upon earth. And Shubindu said, yes, you are absolutely right. She can create a supramental world, take out our soul's plant there. But matter will remain as it is. It won't be a supramental realization upon earth, which is a very different thing altogether. That is the struggle. These effects were automatically established in the outer being, but he was the one doing it, not I. I was merely the bridge between his sadhana and the world. And if one asked Yorobindo, he would say, I am doing nothing. Mother is doing everything. That's why when someone asked, I think it was Hardan Bhai, that who is the name to advance sadhak here, or ideal of surrender, he said only two persons have made perfect surrender. Shurabindo to the mother and the mother to Shurabindo. Don't ask me about any other surrender. They are the only two sadhaks. So it is so uh, perfect. She says that I didn't have to do anything. I had, not only did I have to do what I was doing, uh, but he was the one doing it, not I. Only when he left his body was I forced to take up the sadhana myself. Now people may ask why, why couldn't Shurabindo continue to doing? Because it's being done in matter. This is where the whole problem lies. Shurabindo was doing his bit from there. But the sadhana in matter has to be done by someone who is in a material body. And that's why the mother says in the agenda, it doesn't matter who will do it, but it has to be done. So in matter has to be done by somebody in a material body. Shobindo is doing everything else, preparing the world condition, laying down the large lines of forces, but the material sadhana has to be done by her. Not only did I have to do what I was doing before, being a bridge between his sadhana and the world. So Shobindo is continuing the sadhana on other planes which she becomes the bridge. But I had to carry on the sadhana myself. When he left, he turned over to me the responsibility for what he himself had been doing in his body and I had to do it. So that's where mother speaks of that she feels the material friction of the most, um, the mind of light which passed into her, her physical being. Sometimes one predominates, sometimes the other. I don't mean successively in time, but it depends on the moment. And they are trying to combine it in a total and perfect realization. The eternal, ineffable and immutable consciousness of the executrix of the supreme, which is one role, and the consciousness of the sadhak of the integral yoga, who strives in an ascending effort towards an ever-increasing progression. So this is what we see in the life of avatars. On one side, Krishna just has to touch Kubja and she becomes beautiful. Rama has to touch 
Ahilya and she changes from a stone into a beautiful uh, lady not only that she ascends to heaven on the other side rama has to struggle cry has his sullen moments when lakshman is hurt he is wondering what i will go and tell because it's not revealed to him what will happen in this battle so one of the things which he has uppermost in his mind is because he has established a very high standard so he is not just about his wife he says what am i going to tell to sumitra what am i going to tell to urmila that i didn't take care of him when he is hit by the shakti and he is all the time sitting by the side of the body somebody looking at this rama would wonder is it the same rama who by his touch could create a goddess out of ahilya this is where we see the avatar moving up and down the ladder as is necessary for the work then and this becomes rather amusing like life's play depending upon each one's nature and position and bias and because human beings are very limited very partial and incapable of a global vision there are those who believe who have faith or to whom the eternal mother is revealed through grace who have this kind of relationship with the eternal mother so there are those devotees who say we don't want to intellectualize analyze we know she is the divine mother this is a revelation by grace and that's the end of the story and there are those who themselves are plunged in sadhana who have the consciousness of a developed sadhak and thereby have the same relation with me as one has with what they generally call a realized soul so there are two categories of beings who undertake the yoga one who know her as the divine mother and trust on her grace and the others who look at her as a realized being a master a yogini who has practiced integral yoga realize the transformation of matter and they have to follow on the path of integral yoga so these are the two categories so they are identifying with one or the other aspect of the divine mother because she says we have a limited vision such persons consider me the prototype of the guru teaching a new way but the others don't have this relationship of sadhak to guru so that's why those who regarded her as a guru mother there is a letter of hers where she says thank you for reminding me of my position of being a guru it's for her coming down a few notches though i am it's much more natural and spontaneous for me to be the universal mother of all this is much more natural so we see in her life that love uh, spontaneously flowing they are only in contact with the eternal mother and in the simplicity of their hearts they expect her to do everything for them there are others some who regard her as mother everything she will do so what happens with them mother says if they were perfect in this attitude the eternal mother would do everything for them as a matter of fact she does do everything but as they aren't perfect they cannot receive it totally so one kind of people see this aspect she is the divine mother that's the end of the story and they go to her for everything for material needs for spiritual needs you see how amrita had such a beautiful relation with her and everything she does for them whatever is needed 
it comes to them very naturally, very spontaneously because they have this relation. And then mother reveals even for others it is she who is doing it, but they don't receive it rightly. The same thing which Sri Krishna reveals in the Gita, the path of tapasya and the path of surrender. And he says, those who want to go to the path of tapasya, they also eventually come to me. But they take pantha duratya, the difficult path. But the two paths are very different. The two kinds of relationships are very different. And as we all live according to the law of external things, in a material body, there is a kind of annoyance and almost irritated misunderstandings between those who follow this path, who have this relationship of the child to the mother and those who have this other relationship of the sadhak to the guru. So the whole quarrel comes up. Because those who regard her as the mother, it's a special grace. So when you know people talk about sadhana and yoga and tapasya, they just find it very strange. She is not a guru, she is the one who is, who can do everything. So it's a very different approach. But on the other hand, those who have what I would call the more outer relationship compared to the other, the relationship of yoga, of sadhana. This is an outer relationship. <laughs> the inner relationship is to know her as the Divine Mother. But there are some who have a more outer relationship, regard her as a guru. Consider the others superstitious. So they say, this is, it doesn't work like this. You have to do sadhana, you have to do this, you have to do that. So they can't believe that mother can do everything. Because it's an impossibility. Because they are more of that nature. Who have faith and perception or the grace to have understood what Shurabindu meant. Perhaps even before knowing what he said, but in any event after he said it, discard the others as ignorant unbelievers. So those who trust what Shurabindu has said that she is the Divine Mother or have simply the inner intuition even before he said it, so they find these others as ignorant unbelievers. Who are these people? You know, so one regard the other as superstitious and the others regard them as ignorant believers. So it's very difficult to combine the two in a global vision. At least with me, I remember it happened just like that without reading Shurabindo. When I first took the book, the mother in my hands, casually because in Calcutta, I went to a bookstall in a hurry to pick up any spiritual book. And it was a Ramakrishna mission stall. Those who know Havada Station, they will know there is no Shurabindo book stall. And I said, any book you have? So he said, on mother, I said, okay, mother. And he handed over Shurabindo, the mother. Now, I read the book without knowing anything about the mother. And first time when I saw the mother's picture, I said, oh, this book was written for her. There she is. So there was no, no analytical thought or understanding. It was so clear. So it's one kind of approach. There is another where one takes another approach and the two are at loggerheads with each other. And there are all the gradations in between. So it really becomes quite funny. So for the mother it's funny, for us it's not so funny. It opens up extraordinary horizon. Once you have understood this, you have the key. You have the key to many, many things the different positions of each of the different saints, the different realizations and 
it resolves all the incoherencies of the various manifestations on earth so we had this very interesting saint or rather the tantric swami ji from rameshwaram nilkant shastri he would come and he would give advices to mother and he knew she is the divine mother and yet he would give advices he would say tell her there is a risk to her life i am going to do a special puja and then he would do the puja call all the gods and you know then he would say now i have done the puja everything is fine then next he would say please tell her that she is you know under threat from her own disciples so mother speaks about it in agenda that she actually saw that yes there is a group of people here itself who are against her so she sees the whole thing she doesn't have to do a tantric puja to realize all this but at the same time she plays because that's the relation that the saint has formed with her she knows that she is a very very developed advanced yogini who has the brahman realization and therefore he also wants to reach that point so he is also doing an effort she is also doing a yoga but she is far ahead she is a far advanced sadhika or a yogini whatever way or a guru compared to him so he is doing effort she is doing effort but he can't look at it from this perspective that she is the divine mother in her own play she has veiled herself there is a very interesting ramayana called as adhyatma ramayana i do not know uh, it's very nice the serial which is coming Uh, has glimpses of that though it has not started from that point so adhyatma ramayana is reveals the spiritual core of ramayana so it starts by hanuman asking sita that what was all this that happened on earth sita says oh you don't know it was i who had staged the play so it starts from sita is the divine mother staging the play what a play she will be abducted she will be sent into the forest she has to lead his life of suffering so when we look at from this perspective we say oh rama abandoned her when we look at it from the divine mother's perspective she is the divine mother who has chosen this play she has decided to do this for a certain purpose to uphold to help rama realize the ideal of raj dharma which is come to establish she has chosen to take that position so then she reveals the whole ramayana from the side of the divine mother she says ravana could not have touched me had i not veiled myself i had to do it and she had to veil herself to be kidnapped by ravana so that rama can come and even that place which was full of the darkest asuras can be transformed into a kingdom of bliss and beatitude this was the game plan and she has to go by the law It cannot be that because divine avatar descends into the law to change it it does not rise above the law another example shurmindu gives is of swami brahmanand of chandod so he lived for 300 years and shurmindu himself had his darshan when he was taken darshan is a wrong word because difficult to say who had whose darshan but shurmindu was taken by uh, one of his friends was it khasirao most likely khasirao who took shurmindu to narmada to meet swami brahmanand swami brahmanand is known to have even fought in the being present during the battle of palasi which is 1767 so almost 300 years so swami brahmanand when he goes to see used to remain in trance without opening his eyes but when shurubindo went he opened his eyes and had a look that's why i say it's wrong to say shurubindo had his darshan <laughs> it could well be like muchkund had darshan of krishna in the cave 
that brahmanand ji had his darshan because not soon thereafter brahmanand left his body and left his body in very strange ways though he is a yogi who has lived for 300 years he dies of a nail prick into the feet it becomes septic so it was because he had not conquered the laws of matter he had superimposed the laws of a vital plane onto matter there was no transformation is in matter and one could continue like that for generations for uh, hundreds of years that's why when people look at shurbindo's life that oh he was conquering matter he left his body at 78 brahmanand must have conquered matter even more because he lived for 300 years that logic doesn't apply because it's something else that he was doing for example this question of power over matter those who perceive me as the eternal universal mother and shurbindo as the avatar are surprised that our power is not absolute this happens to this kind of devotees because they have to be also mother is mother why should she has to go through all this they are surprised that we have not merely to say let it be thus for it to be thus this is because in the integral realization the union of the two is essential a union of the power that proceeds from the eternal position and the power that proceeds from the sadhana to through evolutionary growth so this is where the position of the avatar is that on one side he is a manifestation of the divine krishna even as a baby is divine rama even as a child is divine and these glimpses are seen time to time shurbindo as i said in in his life in the mother's life much of shurbindo's life is not documented but whatever little is there that even at the age of 7 he saw a great darkness invade him from all around why for being relieved for being transformed and he said he left me only after i landed on the soil of india when he lands back it was mother india's gift because she recognized who is he but at the same time on the other hand there is a entire working through the difficulties the struggles the problems the issues faced in real earnest it's not a saintly life it's not the life of a holy man who cuts himself off from the world and plunges into a trance but goes through all the difficulties of human life all the challenges all the enigmas and leaves solutions at different stages of development and at least i i really believe that everything that mother and shubindra have done outwardly they have said it's like a stepping stone towards the next level so i do believe that if people could practice politics the way shubindra did they would become ready for the supramental yoga or enter into supramental yoga through this door and shubindra has spoken of this that it can be done even cooking he says people can cook and arrive at the supramental this is possible this is directly in shubindra's words so or if people even in their personal relationship followed what shurabindu did a life of sacrifice nobility truthfulness courage honesty uplifted towards a deep psychic and spiritual bond it would lead them towards a very very great heights on the verge of supramental realization or if they could follow the life of or the career of journalism writing creativity poetry many people would ask what is the role of poetry and shurabindu would say poetry itself can become a door to open 
towards that great realization whatever it could be painting mother opened many more doors painting business what is it that she left untouched through which one can enter into the supermind provided we follow those footsteps those footprints left by them upon this soil so we stop here with these four lines from his own poem which summarize this very beautifully he who would bring the heavens here must descend himself into clay and the burden of earthly nature bear and tread the dolorous way coercing my godhead i have come down into this sordid earth ignorant laboring human groan twixt the gates of death and birth what marvelous lines he who is all knowing becomes ignorant he who is omnipotent becomes as if powerless and helpless he who is all blissful tastes suffering and pain like shiva of old that is the mystery of the avatar so we'll stop here and next tuesday